The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are my own or those of my guests, and in no way represent the views of the company or companies that I or we work for. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they are told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Ident. You're listening to Squawk Ident, an aviation podcast dedicated to the journey and the challenges surrounding the life and career of Aviator Tony and his guests. Together, we will explore the many pathways to an aviation profession, the realities of what a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, an airline pilot currently flying for a legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. This is episode 26 of Squawk Ident, recorded on the 18th of February, 2020, from the Aviator Sound Studios somewhere in Southern California. On this episode of Squawk Ident, Rob D. and I explore Rob's upcoming recurrent training and some of his study techniques to ensure a successful training event. We also discuss new training programs that have been popping up at 121 carriers across the United States lately with program titles like Disrupting Unconscious Biases and Equality and Acceptance. Why now? We will start a conversation to explore the reasons behind it. And the 10%. We all know about the 10% of any work group is going to have individuals that might just be a little left of center. Got a good story about it? We do. All this and more on this episode of Squawk Ident. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Right after a brief word from our sponsors. and gentlemen welcome back to the show well joining us today on squawk ident podcast he is a former u.s air force f-111 and f-16 crew chief he's an amp an avionics tech a cfi double i and mei flight instructor a former part 121 airline check airman and rc airplane commander a racquetball champion, and currently a Boeing 737 first officer at what we here at Squawk Ident refer to as Legacy Airlines. Please help me in welcoming Rob D. to the show. Hey, Rob, how are you? All right. Welcome to Squawk Ident Podcast. Well, it's been uh, a little bit of time. What's it been, about a couple weeks since you've been on the show there, Rob? been a couple weeks i think both of us have been extremely busy not only with work but with personal life so sometimes it's hard to find a time to fit in some podcasting yeah absolutely uh (laughs) and you know and i've been flying quite a bit and uh from what i understand you've been home quite a bit instead of uh flying uh you want to tell us a little bit about 
what you've been up to and how you've been so lucky to be at home and getting paid. What's going on with that? <laughs> you figured it well, out. <laughs> I, I think I figured out the trick of how to stay home and get paid. No, really, honestly, um, it's it's been luck. I had a uh, trip last week. It was a three-day trip. And um, let's see, where do I begin? Basically, we were delayed every leg of the trip. I mean, it was just one of those trips that you just do your best to you know, get out on time. And there was always something that delayed us. So last week it was weather. It was also maintenance. And, um, ultimately the last flight of the, of the trip was on time and it was Atlanta back to Dallas. And thankfully so, cause it was, you know, the last leg of the trip and everybody has that get home itis kind of thing Absolutely. Uh, at the end of a long work week, especially if you've been delayed, all week long but uh so that was kind of nice to get home on time after such a, a hectic week um and then went into five days off and uh personal life had uh my, I have two daughters that play volleyball and uh they're both on separate teams yeah so uh, my wife had to take one kid to one tournament and I had to take the other kid to the other tournament. And that was yeah. an all-day-long event, Saturday and Sunday. So uh, they both did really well. Uh, it was fun to watch them play. Excellent. And uh, and then, anyway, so this week I had a trip that actually started today at uh-huh. 9.45. However, I got a call a couple days ago from, from uh, we call it, at, a, at our legacy airline, Standards. And uh, they called me and told me that they're going to remove me from eight legs of my four-day trip, which basically leaves me one flight to the overnight on Thursday night and one flight back to home base on Friday morning. Excellent. Uh, So basically, excellent. (laughs) Right on. Right on. (laughs) So uh, 21-hour trip gonna fly two hours of it and get paid for 21 hours so hey if i could do that every week i will (laughs) man you know and i'm sure there are plenty of listeners out there that are thinking okay uh how did you do that you know and like you said (laughs) just lucky you know it's luck it it really is yeah but so you were you're supposed to fly a trip today you got called from standards and and they said hey yeah you're being displaced and for most of it And yes. now all you have to do is that last, it's basically a, uh, a two day. It's a, a one, yeah, it's a a one later trip. for a day. Yeah. It's a, it's a senior dream trip scenario where you just fly one, one leg to the overnight, have a short overnight and you know, you sign in relatively late in the evening, uh, get to the overnight, have your minimum rest and then fly right back in the morning. And, yeah. uh, pretty much back less than less than uh oh i guess less than like 15 hours on the road wow so yeah that's perfect you know, and and i was <laughs> displaced a couple of weeks ago i don't know if uh, i think you and i had a conversation i called you and asked you a little bit about it because that's right uh same scenario except i didn't get that phone call that you got from standards um, yeah i just i a couple of days before the trip i checked my schedule i had picked up a a two-day trip to Kona. 
I mean, super senior trip. And I really, uh, I just thought, wow, you know, um, somebody was giving it away and they were paying $300 to whoever would pick it up. And it was on one of our, wow. our, our boards, uh, from one of our third party apps that you can voluntarily be a part of for a, for a small fee every month. And so yep. someone was giving up this, a super senior Kona two day trip and paying $300 via PayPal if you picked it up. So I was like, yeah, I'll pick it up. I, you know, I had like 10 days off. I was like, sure, I'll throw that in there. It's a no brainer. And, you know, not the longest overnight, but that's the nice thing about it is because it's not a very long overnight. Right. Fly out in the morning, get there in the afternoon, spend all day there, right across the street from the Kona Brewing Company. Do I need to say more? And, you know, the next day, <laughs> mid-afternoon, you fly back, you land at LAX like at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, you fly home, and you're back in your own bed. So, hey, great. Well, two days prior to the trip, I checked the schedule, and it wasn't there. It just uh. was gone. So I checked, uh, I checked my uh, monthly schedule, which is another uh, form that we have to check via the app that we have for our company at Legacy Airlines, and I was displaced due to training, a DT code, right? That's right. And I called you up and I said, hey, man, uh, am I on any kind of obligation? Are they going to call me and say, well, you know, you've been displaced because of training and now we're going to give you something else? And we were really scrambling to look to see where in the contract we could find this information, right? Right. Yeah, it's tough to find that exact context because we have uh, we have verbiage that that covers cancellations, misconnects, and uh, anything of that sort. And um, but nothing that really uh, so, uh, really dialed in on on the on the training displacement. So uh, there is something in there, but you really have to look in a direction that you're not normally uh, used to seeing. Right. So, yeah. So there we were uh, trying to go through our uh, resources, trying to find out what the heck is uh, my obligation here, and you know, right. made some phone calls and finally figured it out that. Once you're displaced through the training, at least here at Legacy Airlines, you are not on a recovery obligation of any kind. And hey, great, right? Yeah, so, great. And that's probably um, something that anybody getting into the industry or, or is new to the industry, um, that's something that you'll most likely struggle with for the first few years is just learning uh, all the ins and outs of your uh, uh contract i think we call it the cba or jcb joint a collective bargaining uh, agreement i think something like that bar bargaining yeah that's a yeah. bargaining agreement um there's there's so many uh, and every company's different right. so um everybody has their own negotiated thing but learning where to find those um you know the information that you need and how to apply it to your particular situation is just tricky yeah and there's a number of there's always, thankfully, uh, you know, for our, with our company, there's a number of resources available to help us out um, and to, to get you going in the right direct right direction. But you know, you always hear about it too. You know, when when the uh, person individual is new, they don't want to ruffle the feathers, so to speak, yeah. <laughs> with with the company. And um, well, you know, it's like, hey, we've we've got a, a negotiated agreement with the company, and this is how we're supposed to be doing things. And if they don't you know, you need to make sure that 
you're following the letter and um, yeah. uh, they need to be doing the same thing. So yeah, anyway, and it's not always out are. of malice on their part because I know I've spoken right. with more than uh, one crew scheduler that just didn't know any better. I mean, they're they're no yeah. different than you and I. I mean, there could be they're new human. to the position, haven't dealt with that particular scenario before, and sometimes you just have to get a supervisor involved. Um, and I remember yeah. talking to you years back when we were both uh, IOE uh, Czech Airmen at uh, respective Sandpiper Airways uh, regional carrier, and we used to always really push to the the new hire candidates, especially. Okay, congratulations, you're being signed off. Uh, your next, yep. uh, you know, duty assignment will be coming from crew scheduling until you can bid uh, your schedule for the net following month. And in the process, while you're at home, uh, you know, keep studying a little bit because it's all new, and you want to, you want mm-hmm. you know, stay in the books so that when you get on the line, you're not forgetting anything, and 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 you can stay kind of relatively confident in your abilities. At the same time, now's the time to pick up the contract. Now's the time okay. to start learning the rules because. If you're new, and I hate to say it's you know done intentionally, but I have heard of scenarios where uh, crew scheduling might take a little bit of advantage by bending that gray area with a new hire because they don't know any That's better. That's right. You know, it's like, well, technically yep. you can't give me that assignment uh, because there are people more junior than I that you haven't called yet. Uh, and a new hire right. might not know how to Won't, verify might that not information. know that. Yeah. yeah. So Which is most you know, likely know the case. Yeah. your contract. All right. And, or even, least, and even to that point, they may be hesitant to even, you know, uh, push back on that point because they're not comfortable with doing it because they're so new, you know, <laughs> especially if right. they're a first or second assignment. Right. And they're on probation and they're yeah. like, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ruffle any feathers or get in trouble, but... You know, at the same yeah. time, especially when you're new in the game, you really have to make sure that you're doing your due diligence and knowing the contract and, and you know, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and not being taken advantage of, basically. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, yeah, exciting that, uh, what else? that, you know, in this time at home, have you been using this time to do anything like, I don't know, study for recurrent training? Yeah. Speaking of IOE and stuff like training, I, I do have recurrent training coming up next week. So I have been actively uh, studying my uh, material uh, that the company gives us for recurrent training. So uh, I don't know about you, Tony, but I always get, you know, what some refer to as check right itis. Yep. <laughs> I always feel like I'm underprepared. Um, no matter how well I know the information, I always just uh, go in with butterflies in my stomach, and um, y- y- the outcome is always great. I, I've I've always had a good experience in training, um, but for some reason, you know, I show up there and you know, palms are a little sweaty, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little bit of sleepless night before. I don't know. Do you get that? <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes before a check ride, I'll just curl up at the hotel and. You know, just <laughs> let it all out, you know? Uh, no, yeah. seriously, I do that get that. That sounds like check. one of our pilots. That sounded like one of our pilots. <laughs> <laughs> no names, no names. Uh, you know, I do get check itis absolutely. Um, it Over the years, it's, it has diminished. Um, yeah. I know that I, 
you'd stand here on the shoulders of all those that came before me that have pulled me aside and said things like, you know, a month prior to your check ride, you should already have been studying for a month and exactly. not like every day, you know, in the books and, you know, you got your thinking cap on and stuff. No, but at least reviewing some of the things that you are expected to know, like limitations right. and limitations for sure. You know, yeah. day in, day out, you you and I were doing, you know, visual approaches, ILS approaches, maybe an occasional GPS approach. When's the last time you did a single engine VOR, right? <laughs> it was nine never. months ago when you were in the simulator, you know? It, it was, yeah. Hopefully you'll never have to do that out on the line. So and, knowing and those call-outs. for sure. Yeah, hand-flown, yeah. Go ahead and turn the autopilot off there. So, yeah. So do you have any uh, training prep um like scenarios that you go through? Well, the uh, company does a good job of, of, of uh, putting out the materials that you need to study ahead of time. Um, they provide you with some videos to watch as well as um, a, a great app for studying systems. Um, and uh, so what I did was uh, I've, I've been reviewing the uh, systems that uh, are required for this uh, particular recurrent and uh, some of the systems like pneumatics, air conditioning, pressurization, electrical, ice and rain protection systems. So uh, I made sure I, I went through those, reviewed those systems over and re refreshed my memory on how they worked and some of the, you know, non-written limitations that that exist with some of those systems. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then of course, like you said, uh, limitations, you know, you got to know the hardcore limitations, bold faced, um, by memory, uh, no exceptions. Um, and then also refresh yourself with, uh, you know, emergency equipment, oxygen, how to use the PBE, uh, the location of the PBE and the fire bottles and, uh, crash axe and all those other, uh, pieces of equipment that are on board the aircraft sure. that you may need to use in an event of emergency. Um, I also reviewed some of the uh, 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 wind shear and ground proximity warning system training that, uh, you know, you hopefully you never see, you'll never hear about it or, or see it on the flight line. But then again, you know, this is when you need to train is in the training event. So refresh all refresh myself with all the procedures pertaining to uh, um, wind, shear, wind shear escape, uh, how to recognize wind shear, um, some precautions to take on departure and arrival. And um, also, uh, since we fly into mountainous terrain, you know, ground proximity, uh, make sure you're familiar with how the uh, terrain mode works on our airplane and um, uh, just, you know, just making yeah. sure we're safe in that environment. Um, and then just standard, you know, V1 cuts, engine failures, those scenarios, uh, climbing out single engine performance, uh, following our, um, uh, you know, special engine out procedures that we have on mm -hmm. departure and missed approaches. So just making sure that I'm all brushed up on that stuff. Cause, uh, like you said, we hardly get we hardly get to do it on the line, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but you know, you need to be ready to go. So I want to make sure I know how to do that without skipping a heartbeat. So, so you, uh, you pretty much those... stick with the company's uh, provided material, or do you use any third party 
uh, apps? I or do. Anything? I do now. Uh, initially, I did use a third-party um, app, which was great. It was a uh, very, very informative. And as a matter of fact, I think it was probably a little too much information at first. It, I, it, I think it got me uh, studying a little too deep into the systems than I needed to be. Um, but now it's great because, you know, if I have a question on a system that, um, you know, y- you get a, an indication in the cockpit and you're like, well, I can't remember why that light comes on or, or when that light comes on at, at what particular point. And you can go into that app, mm-hmm. access that system and read upon it really quickly. So yeah. it's nice to have it. But, you know, like you and I know, you know, the the regular line flying is uh, pretty straightforward. You get an indication or like I think you guys in the Airbus call it the ICAM. You get a message. You look it up in the QRH or QRC. Mm-hmm. And uh, in there, you just uh, follow the procedure and go with it. Yep. So, yeah. Pretty so much how we normally brush up but. on all your uh, all your uh, uh, non-normal uh, uh, reactions to things that you'll hear in the simulator. You know, sure. yeah. Yep. So yep. you want it's, you just want to make always, sure. Yeah, you just want to make sure you're ready, and you're always going through some scenarios that uh, you know the what if things. You know, they because there's. They try to prepare you for as much as they can, but there's only so much time that they have to uh, to train you in the simulators. So I always try to go through some what-if scenarios that aren't really covered in our books or stuff that we don't cover in the simulator. Um, like, for instance, you know, you're you're on short final inside a thousand feet, fully configured for the landing, and you fly through uh, a flock of geese accidentally oh, yeah. and it and it shells out an engine on short final mm-hmm. well you know now you got to determine do you have enough thrust available to uh you know to continue and land the airplane or do you need to you know go around reconfigure the airplane you know it, it's ha- so hard to come come up with just a theoretical scenario because it can go in so many different directions that uh, these are the things that I always uh, think about. Right. You know, if I was in this situation, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> right. So. And and that's exactly what yeah. I think the the prep for our, at least at this stage in the game, our prep for recurrent has to do with those sections in the company manuals that you don't ever really look at. Uh, but you, they're not memory items. They're not limitations. They're not uh, that kind of thing. But really, uh, and I've heard multiple Czech airmen here at Legacy Airlines say they're non-memory memory items. So right. what are you going to do when you're flying along and you hear, you know, you're flying in and you're, oh, this is great. Oh. Yep. Uh-oh. Terrain. 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 Pull terrain. Up. Pull up. Okay, let me check my <laughs> manual. Let me see what my manual says. Uh, what page Meanwhile, was that on, Captain? Oh, oh yeah, okay. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> right? You have to know the, right what, to do. what to do. Right? right. Well, it says up. to pull up. Pull How do up. I do that? Do I have to disconnect an autopilot? Do I have to turn flight directors off? You know, at least in the Airbus. You know, what, what am I supposed to do? They're non-memory memory items. Yeah, and, sure. you know, it's going to be nine-month cycles, at least here at Legacy. Some other carriers might have mm-hmm. six-month cycles or 12-month cycles. But you got to know what to do. They're non-memory memory items. Yeah. So that's what we're studying. 
that's what we're, right. we're preparing so, for. Let me ask you, actually, uh, do you, I actually don't know this uh, on the Airbus. Do you guys have memory items still? We have one uh, official mm -hmm. memory item that was just last week removed. So removed. Oh, okay. yes. Uh, there was one memory item uh, that was in the inadvertent uh, nose pitch down action in the aircraft mm -hmm. with uh, the autopilot on. Uh, there are things in the Airbus to prevent the aircraft in normal law. It won't allow you to stall. But if it thinks you're stalling and you're not really stalling, i.e. because of faulty angle of attack veins, uh, which we saw this mm -hmm. Air France crash over the ocean years Air ago. Air France, yeah. Uh, they, they retrofitted all the aircraft. They replaced all those with an AD. Uh, so those uh, suspect a possibility of getting frozen angle of attack veins have all been replaced. That should solve the problem. But in lieu of that uh, fact, all pilots then on an Airbus fleet had to have been trained in recovery techniques. Uh, that was a memory item, and I, I just read an email last week indicating that that was going to be removed as a memory item. Uh, ah. There's a circular that's out. I still need to kind of look through that through before my next flight uh, just to make sure that I'm on nice. the same page and I'm current, but uh, I believe that was removed. So we really don't have, per se, a memory Any item memory anymore. items anymore. Yeah, even an engine right. failure. It's not, it's not even on the QRC for us yeah, yeah so if you're in an airbus and you have an engine failure it's just an abnormal procedure and you consult the qrc to make sure it's not right. there and once that's done it's you know ecam yeah. actions so yeah and that's the same the same way we have it set up on the 732 we don't we don't have uh memory items per se anymore um okay yeah so engine failure qrc it's just uh reference the uh the QRC and and run the checklists at the appropriate time. So nothing is really a uh, memory item per se anymore. Yeah. Uh, the only real one is is uh, I mean I shouldn't say the only real one because we just covered a couple of them. But you know whenever there's smoke or fumes in the airplane, you just need to get on your oxygen mask and if it's separate, the smoke goggles and um, mm -hmm. you know treat the treat the situation but that's something that's kind of like stalling an airplane you always point the nose down well if you smell smoke or fumes you need to put on your oxygen mask yeah and uh and that's a big one because um uh, not too long ago i i read an article that explained what happened to a crew uh where they had they were airborne in an airbus i believe it was uh either Japan Airlines or something like that. I'll, if I find it, I'll, I'll throw it a link in the show notes. But they had fumes in the cockpit of fuel. And the captain kind of didn't really know what was going on. It was actually not um, something that they detected. Uh, they felt lightheaded. Uh, the captain said, ah, you know, I'm not feeling good. Are you? And actually, the FO started first saying he was, didn't feel good. And the captain says, yeah, I don't... I don't feel good either and they didn't really like, realize what was hmm. going on because they couldn't smell it and there was no visible smoke it was just fumes and they got to the point where the captain became unresponsive because of the hypoxia associated oh, wow. with contaminated air um, 
was it histotoxic hypoxic is that i don't remember i'll have to look it up but um yeah i'll have to look that up <laughs> yeah so the fo ended up taking command of the aircraft saying my aircraft uh he donned his oxygen mask right away he then reached over and uh helped the captain put his oxygen mask on they declared the emergency and returned to land upon landing wow, they nice were speaking with the flight attendants and the flight attendants said nope nope we were perfectly fine turned out i don't know how hmm. it happened but somehow some way the fumes got into the cockpit or at least into the forward portion of the uh, air yeah. circulation machines and that's uh yep it can happen that's why so we go to training that's yeah. it that's why you're good you know, job on that air crew for sure yeah wow and you, i even you ever know had some... any uh, situations like that yourself uh, i have not had to uh don the o2 mask uh for any non-normal procedure yet in my in my yeah. uh, in my time um and hopefully never will have to um but mm. you know we we put our masks on every time the other pilot leaves the cockpit to use the facilities right on a long flight um but so i mean it's not like it's not like we don't have practice to get them on, to get them on quickly <laughs> right yeah um however Plenty of practice yeah but you know it's uh it's something that you should be familiar with uh, at minimum so, yeah for sure so yeah, I understand uh, you were telling me that uh, you have a new class in your schedule. And I know I kind of told you about what I went through my last recurrent. Uh, there's a new uh, program that most of the U.S. airlines are developing and um, introducing to not just the pilots, but the flight attendants and, and really all employees. Uh, here at yeah. Legacy Airlines, we have over 130,000 employees total and uh it's it's a program that every single one of them is now being required to participate in uh do you want to talk a little bit about that and how you prep for yeah that? I, I was actually going to ask you um i've got this in my schedule it's called disrupting everyday bias training mm -hmm. so what is that about yeah I well you know you i through. was through a couple months ago yeah um mm -hmm. It was a class that it took a few hours uh, to participate in. Uh, our particular class was only for the pilots. Uh, and then we also had a joint flight attendant and pilot class that was a little bit different subject. But on this subject, this uh, disrupting everyday biases uh, was how Legacy Airlines is really attempting to mitigate all the issues with personalities and lifestyle right. choices and you know people that get offended by you know s topics or get offended by what's being said or actions uh yeah. that that might have right. happening um on the flight line and you know what is an unconscious bias that's the first thing that we really should tackle here and i, I was looking it up uh, at diversity.ucsf.edu uh, which is uh, San Francisco, University of California, San Francisco website. Uh, they're talking about their different types of biases. There's a conscious bias, mm -hmm. which is also known as an explicit bias. And there is a unconscious bias, or known, uh, also known as an implicit bias. And it's important to note that uh, biases, conscious or unconscious, are not limited to ethnicity and race. Uh, though racial bias and discrimination are well documented, biases may exist towards any social group, one's age, gender, gender identity, physical abilities, religion, sexual orientation, weight, 
and many other characteristics are subject to biases. So what is an unconscious bias and why are we learning about this? Well, according again to a UCSF diversity uh, site, it is an unconscious bias are social stereotypes about certain groups of people that individuals form outside their own conscious awareness. Everyone holds unconscious biases uh, and beliefs about various social and identity groups, and their biases stem from one's tendency to organize social words by categorizing. Unconscious bias is far more prevalent than conscious prejudice and often incompatible with one's conscious values. Certain scenarios can activate unconscious attitudes and beliefs. For example, biases may be more prevalent when multitasking or working under time pressure. So we went through this here at Legacy Airlines and all the pilots got into mm -hmm. a room. You know, your captains, first officers alike, all different types of equipment. So you put the group together and we went through exercises. Uh, they would show pictures okay. of people on the projector and they would say, okay, is this person trustworthy or not trustworthy? And you had to, you know, rate them on like a card uh, from one to whatever, five. And then you would leave your card, you would partner up with another pilot, and then you would talk about why you did that. And a lot of times uh, it was simply because, well, they looked like he had tattoos or, or you know, <laughs> he looked like he was a, a hooligan, a, you know, a criminal of some kind, <laughs> or uh, they would show uh, a young person um, and they would have like a little audio clip and the young person was saying, you know, I've got a lot of hours uh, as a pilot and, you know, these captains I'm flying with are not taking me seriously. So it's like a little scenario that they give you. So you yeah. listen to this like uh, 30 second audio and then you would have to answer a question. It's like, do you think this person uh, is justified in how they feel or do you think that they're just complaining and soft, you know? And so you would have yeah. to rate that and you would talk about it. And a lot of times at the end of it, they would then reshow the photo of the person and they would tell you what they really did in real life. You know, like the guy that was all tatted up, he was like a, the owner of a, a fortune 500 company, uh, nice. you know, worth millions and, you know, was a lawyer and had a, all these mm -hmm. educational, uh, certificates and then yeah. the, you know, and they would go on and, and back and forth. And the people that you would think were trustworthy were like, oh yeah, they did time because of you mm -hmm. know, criminal activity. And so it really was an example of how, even though you can think that you're, you know, all about equal opportunity and that you're a kind person and you're not prejudicial in any way, it was an example on how we can be because of just some unconscious perception that we have about the people around us. Right. Yeah. And yeah, really that, the question was, why are we doing this? Yeah. Right? How does this yeah. affect my job? Yeah. Cause well, and, and, you know, I'm just going out on a whim here. You know, we're, we're a big company, you know, legacy airlines is a ginormous company. Um, and, there, you know, in in our particular part of the company, the the pilot work group, they haven't had a new hire. Well, I mean, we're all new hires, you and I now, but you know, up until the time that we were hired, they haven't had a new hire in forever. Yeah, the lost uh, so decade. Some of the young, the yeah. lost decade. So some of the youngest pilots were, you know, in their you know fifties, forties, and fifties. 
So here we come, all the, uh, you know, the the regional airline pilots, the young guys uh, coming on on property. And, uh, you know, we're bringing a totally different um, dynamic as far as personality (laughs) and uh, upbringing and, and history and experience to the work group that uh, these guys haven't experienced in a long, long time. And then, you know, on the other side of the door, um, uh, you know, in the cabin crew, it's the same thing. You know, you're getting a lot of these uh, newer um, employees back there, newer flight attendants that have never worked in the industry before. They're, you know, they're fresh out of high school or fresh out of college. And, um, or, you know, it could be anything, um, they're coming in from all walks of life, you know, East coast, West coast, center, center of the country, North, South, um, islands. <laughs> so they're coming in with all different types of diversities and backgrounds. And, uh, now they're being, um, you know, forced to, uh, work together, get along together, um, in a very, very, you know, compact, uh, tight, you know, we're, we're all, feeling the squeeze yeah, we're in the <laughs> sardine these can together right you know we're in a sardine can exactly yeah. and um you know so you you have to res- you know obviously respect everyone else's uh um um oh, sorry, work- and sure yeah diversity exactly lack of a better term for myself is you know <laughs> you have to treat others as you wish to be treated yourself Yep. Um, and try to get past the first impression part of it because, uh, like you said, with that one tatted up uh, CEO, Fortune 500 millionaire, um, you never know who this person is or where they came from or what their background is. Right. And you can't judge that just by by look or first impression. Right. Um, I have so. people skills. I am good <laughs> at dealing with people. Can't you understand that? <laughs> What the hell is wrong with you people? And, you know, this is really, this is what we're talking about. Talking about about the bobs. You know, the people (laughs) skills. Uh, So, and and we asked in class, uh, on my last Mm -hmm. recurrent, we asked, because, well, there was a captain who asked, okay, in all Mm -hmm. fairness. He's like, what the hell are we doing here? Why why are we doing all this? You know, I've, I, you know, I am totally including uh, all my crew. I, I, I don't care what you look like and. And is this really a problem that we have to sit here and and go through these, these you know, the way he didn't put it so gently, but he's like, oh, it's, you know, touchy-feely stuff, man, what, are we wasting our time here? And what is the reason? Well, of course, <laughs> the people that were leading the class said, you know, here at Legacy Airlines, you know, we, we're trying to make sure that, you know, we're doing this so that we include everyone and we learn uh, just how to recognize these unconscious biases. And we were fortunate enough to have a union pro standards person uh, in the room. Now, for those of our listeners here uh, that don't understand what a pro standard is, uh, the union at at least Legacy Airlines uh, has a department that is dedicated to professional standards. Let's say I'm flying with Rob and Rob says something that hurts my feelings. Uh, you know, he, you're he, ugly. Yeah. Thanks a lot. You know, uh, you, you hurt my feelings. So I could approach <laughs> Rob and say, Hey, uh, you know, you, uh, you kind of hurt my feelings there, you know, and then he could probably respond with you disgust me, but you know, that would probably make flying together difficult. 
But that's a clear-cut case, right? What if Rob yeah. just kind of like doesn't talk to me, but talks to everybody else, and maybe it's because I perceive it as being because you know I'm a, a very good-looking Italian guy who runs a lot and is in great shape. Maybe he's you know prejudiced against me. Who knows? Whatever. And I'm afraid to confront him, or I have confronted him, and there's no resolution. The first step I would do would be go go to a uh, pro professional standards individual. I'd give him a call and say, hey, you know, I'm flying this trip with this captain, and you know, we had kind of a little bit of an altercation, or I feel like you know he's did this or she did that. Or, you know, I, I tried to do this and it didn't work. And they are the mediators, the go-betweens. Right. So that's what a pro standards person. Now, there is different debate over, you know, whether you should go to them, uh, whether it's productive yeah. or not. Uh, I, I think it's a tool. And whether or not you use that tool is up to you. But just the fact of knowing that it's available to you is important. Yeah, it's nice to know that's there. Yeah. So what this it. gentleman said uh, in class said, listen. Uh, it does seem silly to some of us that don't feel that this is an issue. However, uh, he could say that there was a huge uptick in how many um, events that they've had in professional standards that indicate that there is an issue. And the issue, he said, for the most part, traditionally, they'd get like four or five calls a week from flight crew members uh, having an issue flying with their co-pilot or with their captain or however, uh, you know, and they wanted it resolved and they couldn't resolve it themselves. So they bring in a, somebody that would call both parties and act as a mediator and say, hey, man, uh, how can we resolve this? And if it couldn't be resolved, they would remove one or the other pilot off the flight and they'd be replaced right. with, with another. And then, hey, if that's the case, that's the case. He said that They've seen a huge uptick, and a lot of times it's between someone in the age bracket of a boomer versus someone in the age mm -hmm. bracket as a millennial. And as, yep. like you were mentioning, Rob, that we're getting more and more uh, regional pilots that are flowing through or are just getting a job because of the, the forced retirements that are happening here. Uh, That's right. That now you've get these, not just one generation like you and I. You know, we'll fly with these captains and, you know, maybe they're 10, 15, even 20 years older than us. Now mm -hmm. they could be sitting next to a 20 something year old and they're a 60 something year old. These are two generations yeah. away and there's away. a huge yeah. disconnect. Uh, so big time, you know, uh, these old school captains, I'll just call them old school because I don't want to label them as a boomer because that's, I think, a <laughs> Un unconscious or conscious bias in itself, you know, and, and if anybody out there, you know, takes offense to it, you know, I just, apologize. I, I gotta, I gotta say, <laughs> I apologize for nothing. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so these, the older yeah. generation versus the newer generation, sometimes there's some hurt feelings. There's some communication barriers that need to be overcome. And that yeah. is what this class, these classes are for. And it's not just here at Legacy. I've spoken with individuals at, at all the mainline carriers uh, that I yeah, know. Yeah, all the mainline industry-wide are doing it for sure. Yeah. yeah. I personally have a different spin on it, and I don't know how factual it is, but uh, in my two cents, I believe that the reason that the, these companies are making us go through these programs is because if there is an issue further on down the road, 
and somebody goes, you know what? Well, I'm going to sue Legacy Airlines because they're allowing this individual to go out there and they're they're discriminating against me, and therefore I'm going to sue. And the company can then go, well, you know, they've been through uh, their certified classes on unconscious biases and how that's not acceptable here, and it, the repercussions will be termination of employment. So then now they can say, well, we're not liable. If you want to sue someone, sue the individual. Right. And I think, yeah, that, I think you're right. I think there's a part yeah. of it, the liability part of it, that that's absolutely. the reason we're going down these roads. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and this yeah. is a topic that I really like to dive into maybe in a later show where we can bring yeah. in some, some experts, maybe someone from uh, the union's yeah. pro standards. That'd be great. That'd be a good idea. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they have, quite a bit of uh, interesting stories that they can share with us that they can desensitize so that uh, we can share them with our listeners. Cause it's really is, it's, it's an important topic. Um, and it's something that you deal with every day, uh, whether you realize it or not, you know, and, 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 you know, how many times do you uh, work a flight and, you know, you, you have a crew of, uh, you know, what do you get? Four flight attendants in the back, maybe. Yeah. About four or five Six, if you're doing JFK. At some point, depending on... Yeah, sometimes. Right. And, you know, you say hi to them real quick, <laughs> you know, and in the beginning of the fall, chance, and, you know, at the end of the flight, you may have, may have never even said hi to them. And right. uh, now you're going to be going to the overnight, or uh, or you may not even fly with them again. But, you know, the, the point is, is that, you, you know, you see these people so randomly and so quickly sometimes, and you... You're always going to be interacting with uh, um, people that you just met, and right. um, you know you, you don't want to step on any toes and yeah. stuff like that. I I think it's good though that they're bringing everybody together because uh, yeah. we used to do that at our old um, Sandpiper Airways a long time ago, and we went through some of our security training and stuff. Yeah, and um, I think it was a nice joint training, team building exercise, and I think along the way. We kind of got, uh, they, they did away with that. Um, maybe it was just too time consuming and, yeah. you know, they tried to streamline a lot of our training, um, use, using, you know, uh, home, home study courses and, you know, they can now push things to our iPads and stuff and they did away with that. And I think that, that, um, that created, you know, the, uh, I wouldn't say created, but I think it kind of, um, uh, it doesn't help the situation, um, that we're talking about now because we don't get to interact um, more than we do now. Cause right. how often are you on a, on a flight and you go, you know, long flight and you're, you know, you, you, how often does your flight attendant even check in on you? Right. You know, it's right. very rare sometimes now, you know, unless you have a meal and sometimes you're even calling back and being like, Hey, uh, we're about an hour from landing. You guys can be able to get that meal up. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. So you're what you're talking about is absolutely uh, you know something that I deal with all the time, especially yeah. doing these transcons or doing these over water. Right. And, and there's it's not just the pilots that are going through these programs. It is the flight crew, the cabin crew, yeah. um, even the the airport operations, gate agents. Right. They're all operations. going through this program, yep. and because every department has similar issues and similar age gaps. Um, I had a yep. discussion just the other day with the crew about uh, old school flight attendants versus new school flight attendants. And, you know, you, it's like, cause we're getting both right at yeah. the, the legacy. And, um, 
you know, the old school would call and check on you every couple hours, make sure you needed to yeah. get a bathroom break because they would call when it's convenient for them. So yeah, it's smart. Exactly. They're like, okay, well, I'm in between service right now. So you, yeah. you, you want your want me to heat up your meal for you? And the meal comes and it's all prepped and, and everything's great uh, for those flights where we get a crew meal. Yeah, your butter is already underneath the bun and yeah, it's, it's melting all... and it's perfect and ready to go. Exactly. And then you get the <laughs> kind of the more newer flight attendant or newer generation and they're not calling you because they're like, I'm sure they'll call if they want. And or they'll call you and go, OK, your meal's ready. And you're like, well, I, right. I still have like five or four hours yeah. in the flight. Um, okay, I guess. And then the meal comes up. It's still wrapped in saran wrap. It's cold. There's yeah. you know, there, it, it's yeah. missing Your things. Butter's cold. There's no butter. There's no bread. <laughs> you know, there's salad. Yeah, you no get the dressing. butter, but no bread. And you're like, <laughs> really? Or, or my favorite, uh, no utensils. It's like, oh, okay. And so you know, okay. And then you got to uh, come back, yeah. and you got to open the door again. I mean, it's just like little things like that, and amongst themselves. Yeah. Sometimes you even get a crew, especially when you have four or five uh, crew members back there. And now like yep. one's not talking to number three, the number two is, uh, you know, fighting <laughs> with number four. And so I try to stay out of that because I try to keep yeah. it all happy, you know. And that's, you know, I just don't want that drama, right? So this is an important thing that we're all having to go through right now. Here we are in 2020 you know, grown, grown ass uh, individuals, uh, men and women. And we're going through these, you know, how to be nice classes. Yep. You know, yep. but you were telling yep. me a story earlier about, you know, one of the reasons I think we're having to do these is because of the 10 percenters. You yeah, know, th there those we do. We pilots. have there's always that one in a group that ruins it for everybody else's, you know, what, this is why we can't have nice things kind of thing, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell yep. you the story I, and the listeners. And, and of course I'm not going to name any names, but, um, so I was on a trip and this is back in our Sandpiper Airways days. I was on a trip and, uh, we were in a, in Miami on a, uh, like a two or three hour uh, break and uh, we decided to go get a meal and one of the great famous Miami airport um, Cuban food locations is La Carreta. Oh, you say yeah. La Carreta to any crew member, they know where it is. It's Miami. Uh, so anyway, we were, we got in line at La Carreta and uh, we got behind a, uh, uh, another air crew. Um, they were a, uh, uh, an air crew that, um, and I, I can't remember exactly what airline they were from, but it wasn't, it wasn't Sandpiper and it wasn't Legacy Airways, but it was another air crew, uh, one of our competitors, and they were in line also getting a meal. And uh, my captain um, notices uh, this one cute flight attendant had a just a little piece of uh, of her tattoo showing on top of her uniform collar uh, or just above her uniform collar. Her hair was up in nice and neatly in a uh, pulled up fashion and, and just a little piece of her, uh, her, her tattoo was showing. And mm -hmm. so he begins to strike up a conversation with her and all of a sudden he gets sideways and just starts going, you know, after her with, uh, with comments like, Hey, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself. You know, why wow. I, my company, 
doesn't allow us to have any any tattoos showing. Um, we're supposed to cover them up. If I was your captain, I would have you put your hair down or report you to your 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 you know your manager and have you removed from the trip. And he just went off the deep end on this individual. And mm. I'm I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my uh, flight attendant crew member, and we were both you know, kind of, we were thrown back. We were like, man, this is a very, very awkward and it's very inappropriate. And I feel really bad for this person, but it was, it was, it happened so fast and it came on so aggressively that I almost, you know, felt like I should have stepped in and, and, you know, said something to my captain, but it just happened and it was over so fast that I didn't get a chance to really say anything. And before you know it, they were on their way to eat their meal and, yeah, you know, we sat down and and started to eat our meal. And um, you know, I looked at him and I'm like, man, that was that was really inappropriate. You really didn't have to do that. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, if they, you know, he puffed up his chest and, you know, he said, you know, well, if nobody tells them, they don't know, and you know, that stuff needs to be addressed. And you know, we wouldn't let anybody come to work like that over here at our at our company. And yeah, right. you know, I kind of shrugged it off <laughs> and just said, all right, whatever. And uh, next thing you know, uh, we this particular crew was done with their meal, and they were walking out of the restaurant. And as they walked by, that one particular flight attendant um, mentioned something to her captain that, "Hey, this is the guy that was uh, giving giving her a little <laughs> little flack in line." Yeah. And so this this captain um, uh, confronts my captain at the table and says, "Hey, uh, I understand you have a problem with my flight attendant." And I wish you could have been there to see this, but it was it looked like it was right out of a movie. He sits there and he, you know, calmly finishes what he was eating, takes a little swig of drink, a swig of his drink, and then takes his napkin, kind of, you know, blots the the corners of his lips and and says to me, watch this. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) You know, as a sort of like, hey, hold my beer kind of thing. Yeah. And he stands up. He's like, let's take this outside. I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> Two <laughs> uniform guys taking this thing outside in, a, in an airport. So yeah. whip out your iPhone. They take it out to the. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, I wish it was. Unfortunately, I'm old enough where this was uh, this the non iPhone yeah. days. <laughs> sure, sure. <Flip> phones. <laughs> so, yeah. So this would have been great to have on, on, uh, on, on social media. Um, so anyways, he takes this uh, conversation out into the hallway and um, you could just see the uh, by the, you know, by the posture and the fingers pointing mm-hmm. and and, uh, you know, the way that they were talking to each other, that it wasn't a very uh, fun conversation to be part of. Right. And but you can kind of hear it. And at the end of the conversation, the the uh, the other airlines captain looks at my captain and says, you know what? She's right. You are a piece of bleep. Nice. <laughs> and he just continues. It's over. <laughs> so, my trap, and he's out of here. Yeah. And, oh, man. And that was just one event of maybe a handful yeah. during that trip. And this, and I'm starting to realize that this guy is, has really has issues. You yeah. know, there's, this is not normal. And uh, this is one of the reasons why we need to have um you know the pro standards um folks yeah. 
Yeah, that program know, is in, actually a very good program. I was never uh, involved in being a member of the professional standards. However, um, because of the, my previous experience at Sandpiper Regional, uh, and I know you, you held the same position I did there, uh, I have been approached multiple times by professional standards to act as a, a go-between sometimes. Uh, to kind of talk to one individual or the other and, and and get my assessment on, you know, what I think is happening because it's all hearsay, of course, yeah. you know. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, we this is not old school where we can just, uh, you know, take them down to the, uh, the schoolhouse and <laughs> put them in the ring and be like, you know, all right, have at right. it, boys, you know, just right. uh, you know, go ahead, <laughs> take care of it. And it over with. <laughs> yeah, at the end, you know, shake hands and <laughs> it's all good, right? And, and that's right. a problem, I think, also, there's a bigger picture here with society as a whole. Just because I disagree with you doesn't mean that I hate your guts and I want you dead, you know? It just means that, hey, I disagree with right. you. Let's, And I'm a debater, so I, you know, let's let's talk about it, and, yeah. you know, I'll try to... Yeah. Try to have you see my my side of it, and you know I'll listen to you respectfully for your side of it. And at the end of it, I might give you a little bit more leeway than I previously did, or I'll think, you know, forget it. Um, either way, uh, I'll list, I'll at least listen. Uh, and unfortunately, yeah. those kind of you know ways of confronting individuals that don't agree with you is is slowly diminishing. You know diminishing for sure yeah right. so we need these yeah, programs and, and we need the pro standards and we need the disrupting everyday biases and we need the the you know the captain charm school as we affectionately call it when yeah uh, someone gets offended <laughs> and and it's okay it's okay to be offended yeah uh, but speak it up is. you know um yeah, i i too have had sure uh, a few run-ins with individuals who you know, for a lack of a, a better uh, word uh, were challenged, mm. you know, challenged with yeah. uh, social uh, interactions, challenged uh, with, you know, keeping the peace and not, you know, offending individuals. Yeah. Uh, I had one uh, back at the Sandpiper who was infamous. Um, and you may, uh, when, when I describe him, you, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. But this individual <laughs> was... Um, famous for uh the first briefing he would tell you as soon as he got in the cockpit it's i would be making all pas my fo's do not make <laughs> pas like okay that's fine and at the time uh -huh. you know the fo the non-flying pilot or the 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 pilot on the ground uh, you know would make the pas uh it's because the, ta the captain was taxing uh but you know he I i'm making all pas right and then later on uh i was also told he he used to carry around his own sheets in his kit bag so when he got to the hotel he made sure he changed the sheets on the bed because he doesn't want, he doesn't mm -hmm. know who slept there before. Okay. So there was some, something weird with that. I didn't quite get it at the, at that time. And later on he looks at me and he goes, Italian. Ah, huh. well, okay. And I thought, well, what's that mean? Okay, fine. And mind you, he was a, uh, a middle-aged, uh, Anglo, pretty white guy. And our flight attendant mm -hmm. happened to be uh, a dark-skinned uh, young lady, and you know, introduced myself to her, and she seemed nice. And after the door closed, mm -hmm. and we start flying around, after a leg or two, he's like, "Hey, man, uh, if you want to grab a beer on the overnight, uh, you know, I'll, I'm gonna go check out a couple <laughs> places. Just don't invite our flight attendant." I'm like, "Well, okay, yeah, sure. Why?" He's like, "Well, I don't hang out with flight attendants. Uh, I've had issues." 
And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> and, I, and I saw right through his bullshit. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I know why you yeah. don't want to hang out with her. So as soon as uh, we landed and we were at the uh, overnight uh, destination and you know, we were deplaning and I turned around and I, I looked at my flight attendant and said, hey, listen, um, uh, if you want to grab a bite to eat, I'll in, I'd like to invite you to dinner. Is that okay and she said oh that'd be great thank you so much for the invitation <laughs> and i just turned around and smiled right at the uh at the captain and he looks at me and, and you know she had walked away and he goes well what the hell did you do that for and i said well i don't uh i don't leave out any members of my crew and if you don't want to hang out with flight attendants that's fine by me uh i'm not gonna exclude her so and i don't want her out there by nice. herself so i'm gonna go ahead and uh, go to dinner with her thanks for the invitation anyway you know <laughs> well so, played well you know, played and, and you gotta kind of stand up sometimes and say yeah you know bs yeah. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here passively and just let you kind of yeah and usually when you do they they, they sense it and, it and it's usually the you know very few times they they get that kind of pushback and and when they do they're kind of like huh well yeah <laughs> i guess i can't play that game with this guy here either, you know? So they right. kind of I wasn't gonna uh, put up throttle right. back. Yeah, exactly. Right. Wow, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, I, I've never really had too big of an issue other than that one member that I just talked about. We had we had a number of things happen um and uh, along the trip and um uh, should I go into that one story when I got the call from from uh, the legal department? <laughs> Yeah, if you want. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So the same individual on the same trip, by the way. Um, <laughs> well, we had worked a flight into um, an outstation. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm trying to remember the exact details. But anyway, when, when I, I remember when I got to the outstation, one of the first things that I normally do um, is get off the airplane, stretch my legs. Um, if it's lunchtime, I'll look for something to eat. But anyway, we, we don't have very much time. So yeah, I think we had, what, 30, 30, 35 minutes on a turn at some yeah, of these outstations. Mid- so, yeah. so as soon as we park, you know, run the checklist, I'm, I'm out the door. I'll use the restroom, find something to eat, and then come back to the cockpit and then get the airplane ready for the next flight. And that's it. You know, really, it probably 10 minutes away from the airplane was all I had. And um, I come back. We end up working the flight, and uh, at the end of the four-day trip, I get a phone call from our legal department, union's uh-huh. legal department, oh. and I'm like, oh my goodness, who is this? I mean, you know, what's this all about? And uh, so he he introduces himself as a lawyer with our legal department, and he asked me, hey, did you work a flight into uh, Memphis on this day, with this flight number, with this captain named so and so, and I was like, "Yes, why?" He's like, "Well, I I need to ask you some questions, and um, just you know, it's far, you're on the record for this, so you know, be as truthful as you can." And I was like, "Okay, well, what's going on?" He's like, "Did you witness any interaction between the captain and the gate agent?" Uh. And I said, "No, sir, I did not see a thing." Um, I don't re- remember anything. Um, I don't. I didn't even see him interact with the gate agent at all. Uh-huh. Um, but however, you know, I wasn't around the captain or the gate agent at any 
point in time other than when we arrived. I got, you know, explained to him what I did, got got off the airplane and then got back on the airplane 10 minutes later. So he's like, OK. Uh, and I was like, well, hey, you know, do you mind me asking why? And he's like, well, off the record, this guy has a rap sheet of of um, of harassment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, this this particular agent has a complaint in against him now. Yeah, for that for this particular uh, situation, and you know, I told him, I said, hey, you know, off the record, if we're still off the record, I got to tell you, I can see it. You know, it it, it pro- it's probably true. Uh, however, I didn't witness what yeah. happened. I just told him, I said, this guy has issues. He's every person that he, uh, every female that he comes across. He just has some kind of, you know, it's like a, he's like a predator or prey and just, you know, he has mm. to engage in a conversation with this, per, you know, with that particular person. And it just seems like it's inappropriate. You know, you just heard me tell the story that happened in Miami and it's, there's a lot of these situations that happen in a four day time frame. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we finished our conversation and immediately after I hung up with the uh, lawyer, I got a phone call from our scheduling department, and of course it's my day off, so I, I've been trained well enough not to answer the phone, so I let it go to voicemail. Yeah. Um, and the voicemail says, "Hey, this is uh, you know so and so from from Sandpiper Airways um, scheduling department. There's a captain that would like you to give him a call, and this is his phone number." Uh, suspect. So I uh, suspect. Yep. So I called him right away, and I as he says hello. And I said right away, I was like, hey, man, what is going on here? You know, I just got a call from the legal department and um, I I need to know what's going on. You know, what you know, why are they calling me? And he's like, well, what'd you tell them? I was like, <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. well, I want to know what you told what you what you did um, before I tell you what I told them. And I'll tell you if it if I got it right or wrong. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, he was, uh, he was like, man, you know, hopefully you didn't say much. And, you know, I just told him, I said, Hey dude, I didn't tell him anything at all, but I, I'm not, very, I'm not very happy with what I, what just happened. Yeah. And, he put you in the um, middle of something that you didn't want to be part of ex- for sure. Exactly. So, um, thankfully that was, I, I was able to trade away my next couple trips that I had with him. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't put him on my do not fly list or anything like that. Cause honestly, I didn't think, I didn't know how to do that at the time. Uh, now yeah. I do, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. And that's I a would, whole that other was, subject. What's was, a do not fly list. What the hell is that? Not fly list. It's very similar to the TSAs. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, it's, kind an, of. it's an internal TSA uh, do not fly list for sure, go. but yeah. So th- that was uh, that was one interesting and eye opening experience for sure. You know, you th- and I, it, it's just awkward to be around that kind of a situation. You know, right. where uh, you're just kind of put in a situation where you don't want to be in, and and you know you feel uncomfortable for the other person. I think again, pro standards and this implicit bias training that we're going through is stuff that certainly. Uh, you know, 
for situations like this. Yeah. You know, and, and in the old days, things were much different. Seen a grown man naked. Oh, what? Oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it just think times were, times have been changing. You, know? you ever been to a Turkish prison before? You got to get this man to a hospital. hospital. What is it's a big building with white walls, but that's not important right now. This man is sick. <laughs> Absolutely uh, right. You got it, buddy. Well, <laughs> Rob, you know, you know, we've kind of talked about a little bit of recurrent training and, you know, disrupting these biases. And, and I really would uh, like to bring on to the show uh, someone who either is training Right now, um, the, the we're here at Legacy Airlines. Maybe we can find someone that's willing to come on and talk a little bit about to our listeners about that. Um, maybe yeah. someone from professional standards. Uh, so we're going to be working on that here in the future. Uh, coming up on Squawk Ident, uh, very excited uh, to be bringing on a couple more shows that we're working on uh, in the future. Uh, one from a, uh, a captain who has an absolute amazing story about how, how he used to work for British Aerospace designing the wing for the Airbus wow. A320. and. You know, after that's gonna be a great episode. At a young age, he decided he was making great money. He decided, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna become a pilot, and he did. Um, and I had the distinct privilege of flying with him, and we're gonna be bringing that here, wow. uh, hopefully, very very soon. Also, working with a repeat guest of the Squawk Ident podcast, uh, Mr. Max Friend, and we're gonna be talking a little bit about training. Uh, working with a couple people, uh, different flight schools around the country to try to get a little bit more information on how someone who uh, wants to get into aviation maybe doesn't really understand what the best route is uh, to, to start studying and how to market themselves and, and what path to really take. And unfortunately, it's not something that you can just say, well, if you do ABC, you're going to reach XYZ. So you, you can't right. really do that. But uh, we're going to do our best to br get as much information for our listeners so that uh, future shows can involve uh, the GA community and that transition from GA to the 121 carriers. So very exciting. Definitely. Very exciting. Very exciting. And send us your uh, comments and requests too. I mean, that if you're listening to the podcast, you know we encourage that. We'll you know do our best to uh, answer any questions or uh, get to any comments so that we can get you the information you're looking for. Are you enjoying Squawk Ident? Please visit our website at www.aviatortony.com. A B number eight R T O N Y dot com. There, you can check out the episode cover art, episode archives, the pilot shop, and leave audio feedback. You can contribute to the show and help with equipment, software, and marketing expenses by becoming a producer of Squawk Ident, either with a one-time or a monthly contribution. And now, check out the Flightline Photos tab, where some of our favorite images from the Flightline, we hope will give all of our faithful listeners a window to some of the views from this amazing career. 
Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter users can search Squawk Ident Podcast to follow on the social meds. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you like what you hear, it would be great if you can like, leave a review, and share the show with someone you think might enjoy Squawk Ident. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this grateful aviator. Keep the dirty side down, be safe, and take care of each other. 